0: It's just, Lord, even just respond to Michelle's word of full surrender before you, God. Lord, uh, man, may we be found in that posture every day, every moment, Lord. A heart that's low before you, a heart that is surrendered before you. God, not because it's our good idea, but because you're worthy, because you're holy, Lord, because you are. Great and mighty Jesus, that even as we look at You, and it's as we look at You, that we cannot but surrender all to You, Jesus. When we look at the cross and we look at Jesus on the cross, we cannot but surrender to You, Lord. Such an act of love, an act of um, sacrificial love, Lord, that we do not deserve. And this morning, God, we surrender. (laughs) We go low before you, Lord. We go low before you. And I pray for, for hearts in this place. I ask you, God, even before I share this morning, I pray that um, those that are in this room this morning and they, uh, their hearts almost feel cluttered with other things, um, Lord, I pray, would you put in us a desire for you, Jesus? Would you put in us a desire, a, a thirst and a, and a hunger for, for you, Jesus? That nothing is too great to lay down, Lord, in light of you. We want you, Jesus. We want you. We want you. We want you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I, I actually, uh, I'm going to see where this goes. but um, I was reminded of, of uh, this quote of Oswald Chambers. He, he wrote this thing, and I'm paraphrasing. Phrasing a little bit, he said, "You know, God, deliver me, deliver me from a place where it's just me and my little habits." (laughs) He basically said, "God, would you, would you help me to to not just you know be with with my little disciplines and habits and not have the life of God?" And this morning, I'm I'm trusting even as we sang that song, you're you're turning every dry place into a, a well of grace. I want you to know this morning that that is a desire in the Lord's heart more than us sitting here and desire for it. It is a desire in his heart that he wants to come and turn every dry place into a well of grace. And the the famous Charles Spurgeon, as some of you know, the famous preacher, he said, Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind. We are useless. I want to ask you, do you know, as you're sitting here this morning, each one of us, that you and I, all of us, are in need of God's Spirit? Do you know that? Do you know that it's actually impossible to live a life of following Christ without the Holy Spirit living in us? Do you know that? And do you know that He made a way, because of Jesus that died on a cross, Jesus even went so far and said in John 14 and 15, it's, you 15, know, it's to your advantage. It's better for you, for me, to go away. Because I will send you a helper referring to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a force or a whatever. It's a person. The person of the Holy Spirit. And my desire, my prayer, I prayed this morning for us. And I pray, God, I pray, may it not just be one or two individuals this morning and say, oh, no, I need the Spirit. May it be us collectively as a church body say that we cannot do what the Lord has called us to do if we do not have His Spirit. If we do not have His Spirit. If we do not have His Spirit. Um. I used I thought of this example. I don't know whom of you've ever been in a situation where you were maybe swimming or you were deep in sea and there was like a stream that you know often a stream can easily take you in and you were in a situation where it's like i can I can drown now. Um, I remember when I was in primary school, I was on a holiday with my with my mom and we went to like a this warm warm water resource. I, I actually have no idea where it is um, but I remember. Going in the one time without my chupi, I had a a chupi. I don't know what they call it in English, um, but something that helped me to float. And in that instance, I jumped into that, that pool thingy there and I remember just going. I don't know if you've ever had a moment like that. There's a sudden desperation that kicks in in that moment where you know... There's only one way out here. And I remember a hand going into that water, which was my mom. And she grabbed me out. And she grabbed me into, you know, out of that water. And suddenly there was this <sighs> taking a breath in, in that moment. There was a desperation in me when I was there that I knew the only way to get out of this is if someone helps me. And actually I can take a breath. Now that must be the desperation in us as believers when it comes to Holy Spirit. Do you have that desperation in you? that It is like this, that we cannot, out of our own strength and out of our own works, there's, there's nothing that you and I actually can do or bring. You cannot even love God out, of, out of, a, of a place of your own works. It comes from a place of He loving us first, that He gave His Spirit, poured out His Spirit as we see in Acts 2 on all of us. And he wants to come and do that today. But before I move on, and I know there's some of you sitting here and you're like skulk. No, I'm fine with God as Father. I'm fine with Jesus as Savior, but your Holy Spirit. Just struggle with that idea. And I have to tell you, I think you're not you you're not alone. There's many people that that struggle. <laughs> but this morning I'm not gonna try and, and explain all the the foundations and the the basics. I I didn't feel like that is what the Lord is leading me to do. But I I do want to encourage you. I do want to encourage you. We can take comfort in the fact that Jesus said it's better for Him to go because He is sending His Spirit. He is sending the Helper. I cannot not always give you all the answers. I can't always explain all the things to you. But what I can tell you, if Jesus said that, then most probably, (laughs) you and I, are in need of His Spirit. Amen? I felt one aspect, I felt like the Lord is highlighting. I want to take you to a verse in Ephesians 1 verse 13. You can read with me. All of you can see there. It says that you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. The promise. The promised Holy Spirit. Now often I don't know if you've ever read a phrase like that. I often wondered what what did they mean with you know the seal being sealed with the Holy Spirit? What what does that mean? And I quickly wanna want to touch on that. But if you look at a seal as used in, in that context, it was usually something that was used to identify. A specific mark. And you often find it on a letter. Or I, I, I know kings and, and, and royal people, they always had this, you know, stamp that they, they um, took some, a uh, was in English, I don't know even what you call that. Wax, yes. Um, candle wax. And, that, and they had a specific, like, sign that they would put in that wax and, and they put it on a letter. Or they even stamped a letter like that. That everyone, when they received that letter, would know this letter is from this place another, an, an, a, another um, thing that happened specifically in the biblical times is they used they used um, some metal with a specific sign that they would put in some fire and then they would use that on, on cows and slaves to put a specific sign, a specific mark. So that when people want to try and steal some, some cattle or, or steal even a slave in that time, they, they actually did do that. But they saw that specific sign of that specific mark. They knew, I need to leave that cattle alone. It belongs to this person. I need to leave the slave alone. It belongs to this person. So when you hear this, this phrase being sealed by the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit sealed us, it speaks about ownership. It speaks about protection and even, it almost like validates the relationship. As a Christian, if you hear this phrase, being sealed by the Holy Spirit, it basically comes down to this. That even as God gives His Spirit in us, it is a sign that you and I belong to Him. That you and I are His people. And if you look at that phrase, being sealed by the Holy Spirit, it means that there's just no other option for us. There's no other option for us. He gives His Spirit to identify us as His people. I want to read Romans 8, verse 15 to 16 to you, and I think most most of you would, would know this verse, but it says, "...for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear." but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry abba father and then it goes on the spirit himself a person eh, himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God i want to i, I want to tell you this morning i know there's different people in this room these moms <laughs> these you know the single students <laughs> There's married couples. There's Omas and Opas. There's all different people in different life phases in this room. And do you know what? This promise stays the same. It's for all of us. It's for all of us. And I'm not going to, as I mentioned, share too long. I actually just want to look at one portion of Scripture in Ephesians 5 verse 18. And I want to read that to you. It says, Do not get drunk. Unwind. I'm first just going to read verse 18, which leads to debauchery. I, I hope I've uh, pronounced it correctly. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, Paul was writing to the church in Ephesians. And I just want to give you context. There was this festival that was usually being held for the, um, they called him the God of Bacchus or something like that. Bacchus, yeah. He was known as the God of wine or the God of pleasure. And what would happen is people would, as a sign of worship and devotion to this God in that time, they would go and drink. That's how you've worshipped this God. So they would have these festivals and people would take wine and they would drink and drink and drink. And they say in those times, in those contexts, when when people drank a lot of wine and they became drunk, it was difficult to find one sober person. It was very difficult to find one sober person. Now, if you read about wine, obviously there's a reference to the context. There's a a reference to the the physical act of of drinking wine and, and getting drunk. But I do think it represents something more than just drinking wine. You see, he was saying here, do not get drunk on wine. Do not devote yourself to something else than God. Do not give yourself over something else than God it speaks of devotion and uh, something that I also say usually happened there was heathen um, priests in that time okay so priests not priests that that loved God it was opposite and they would pretend to be under the influence of this God and then they would teach from that place And they say Paul also wrote with that in mind. So when he wrote about wine, he said, Do not get drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Like, don't act like these priests. Don't act like these worshippers. But act like people that I have chosen, given my spirit to my people. My people. You see, there's two parts to this verse. There's almost like a, a, ne- a negative part. Do not get drunk on wine. And it says this leads to debauchery. And, and that definition of that word that I actually didn't know speaks about excessive indulgence. Okay? It leaves, it's an act of devotion that leads to much more. It's, as you start drinking, you just can't control yourself. You, you go into that place and you just take more, take more, take more. And before you find it, you, you lost yourself. And the second part, be filled with the Spirit, is, a, is an alternative to that. I want you to hear the desperation that Paul actually wrote this letter with. It wasn't just a friendly, hello, do not drink wine, be filled with the Spirit. <laughs> he, he was saying, that is not the way that I've, I've chosen you guys to be or to live like. But I've chosen you to be filled with my spirit. In a context where all this chaos and all these things are going on, he wrote that truth. Be filled. Now the first thing I want to highlight just from this part, and it's just a couple of things I want to highlight from this verse, is when we look at wine, it re, it refers to um, influence, power, control. And I'm not, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying being filled with the spirit equals doing drunken slurs. I'm not saying that, okay? Not at all. I'm not saying that. Please don't see that at all. Um, but wine was seen as a, as a sign of celebration in biblical times. When there was a wedding, there was wine. We even see Jesus turning water into wine. Okay? So wine was seen as celebration, but the other side was also true. That wine was often also something where there was actually regular addiction to. You drunkenness in biblical times was quite a regular thing. And when he writes about, do not get uh, drunk on wine, but be filled with the spirit, he's actually saying that even as this is the, the you know, a, a sign of celebration, and it represents almost the best of the best, but also as a sign of sin. It and, and represents the worst of the worst. And in the best and the worst, something that gives much more pleasure than the, the, the wine is that he's spirit. That there's something of His Spirit that that needs to satisfy our hearts that physical pleasure cannot do. That physical pleasure cannot do. Are you all still with me? Okay. What has influence over you? What has influence over you? What has influence over you? I want to read to you Romans 8 verse 14. I don't think it's going to be on there. But it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. There we see it again. That those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. His people. What has influence over you? What are you led by? There's a question I want to throw out to you. So he says, Be filled with the Spirit. He didn't say, Be, f- be full of the Spirit. There's actually a difference. Because if he said, Be full of the Spirit... He basically said, you know, there's just one moment, then God comes and He fills us up with His Spirit, and then you, you, you're okay. Never again you have to ever ask God for, to, to be filled with His Spirit. But saying be filled with His Spirit, He's basically saying it's an everyday need. It's an everyday moment. Every morning, you and I, when we wake up, we need to be dependent on Him. Be dependent on Him. Be filled be filled with the Spirit. You and I have a constant need for Him. Constant need. I remember when I was in grade, uh, grade 9, uh, 15 years old. Yes, 14, 15 years old. I've been, I have been. I got to know the Lord when I was 14 years old. Um, and for a year, you know, I, I followed Him. And I went on this conference thingy for, for youth people. Um Ach, and then people just loved the Lord. And there was one evening, someone that just came to me and said, I want to I pray for you. And he prayed for me um, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that time, no one for a year ever told me, you know, that God actually wants to pour His Spirit out in me. Like, ah, that was so strange to me. But he prayed. And all that I can describe that moment as is it felt like a river of love and power met together <laughs> and flooded my heart. I know that's not like for everyone. This is my experience. But that's, that's what happened. Someone prayed for me, that's what happened. But I also remember after that moment, there were many times after that moment in the morning, so I've woken up and I said, Lord, I really need your spirit. Just come and fill me up. And he's been faithful. He's been faithful in, in the asking. you know, He's been faithful, faithful, faithful. Because I think there's something that pleases the Father's heart when it's just so evident that you and I are dependent on him. Amen? When my little daughter comes to me, um, you can ask Ingrid, it's not a a competition, but it's often like, ah, lacquer, you know, you come to me, "Ah, there's something in my heart that takes delight, you know, comes to me, asks me for more food or whatever, there's just something in my heart that takes delight when it happens. Be filled with the Spirit. If you look at the original language, it wasn't a suggestion. It isn't, listen, this is a good idea. Here's my good advice. Be filled with the Spirit. He's actually saying there, uh, he writes it as a commandment to the church. He says, be filled with the Spirit of God. There's no other way. That's how you need to hear it. That He wrote it as a commandment. There's no other way to follow Christ, as I said at the start, but by being filled with His Spirit. Without it, we rely on our own works and our strength. And and basically, our flesh takes over. (laughs) There's just no other options. I hope you hear the desperation this morning. I I hope that is the, the thing that the Lord carries over to every heart this morning. Almost done. When you write that commandment, be filled with the Holy Spirit, he didn't write it to an individual. He didn't write it to just Timothy. He wrote it to the church. In Ephesians, it was a body, a group of people, and he said, be filled with the Spirit. I want you this morning, I think we are so, so, um, so climatized, and it's maybe the wrong word, to think I, 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 I. But actually, if you read most of of the words and, and the Bible, it was in the context of we, 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 the people of God, we, we, we. I want to tell you that when Paul wrote that, Be Filled with the Holy Spirit, he had many people in mind and not just one person. Why? Because together we hear His voice. Together we follow. Together we worship Him. Together. And there's this call for us. We. To be filled with the Spirit. And what happens if, if we, you know, we make a response or say, listen, will, will we come together to ask? And there's only two people that respond, you know. I, I think, I, think and I want to carry that over. The desperation in Paul's heart wasn't just for an individual. It was for a body to know his spirit. We need all of you to be filled with his spirit. Do you know that this body, this body needs all of us to be filled with his spirit? I, I hope you hear that. John Wimber, he he started the Vineyard movement. was a worship leader, and he said this thing. He said, "God has given us a vision to see the body of Christ from uh, move from being an inactive audience to a spirit-filled army." He said, "Listen, we like without the the Spirit of God in us, often that's what happens. We we just become, we just sit back. <laughs> that's that, you know." But it's the Spirit of God that often activates us to to bring, to pour out, to bring our gifts, to bring the the things that the Lord has actually given and placed inside of us. We need that from each one in this place and in this building this morning. If you look also at that verb, be filled, it's it's present tense and it speaks about an ongoing thing. It's not just a once-off event. It's a daily experience and it's a daily need of being filled with His Spirit. So, the question needs to be asked. Skulk, how? How does this happen? How do I position myself to, happen, to let this happen? And there's many things I can say, and I'm sure, I know these people, they, they preach on the methods of how to be, uh, whatever. But what I want to say this morning is, if you want to be filled, I want to connect to what Michelle shared here. Um, I feel like our posture before the Lord when it comes to asking Asking for, for more of his, his Spirit or asking for the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts must be one of a low posture. One of a low posture. A.W. <laughs> Tozer said, it, it may be said with our qualification that every man is as holy and as full of the Spirit as he wants to be. He may not be as full of as he wishes he were, but he is most certainly as full as he wants to be. Basically saying then, have have you positioned yourself low before the Lord? Have you positioned yourself low before the Lord? Have you surrendered every part of your heart to Him? Have you come before Him saying, God, you're not just my Savior, but you're also Lord of my life. That every area of my heart belongs to you. Belongs to you. You see, because when this happens, and I want to take you to Ephesians 5 verse 19 to 21. Verse 19, so he writes then, Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. And it goes on to verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It says, you know, when us as a body are filled with His Spirit, there's an outflow that will happen. And I'm just literally going to highlight what the verse says. But it says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. There's a sense of worship that will burst out of a heart that is filled with the Holy Spirit. Always giving thanks to the, uh, God the Father. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Isn't that beautiful? That even as we're this there's transformation that happens in the area of worship happens in the area of our relationships, in us as a body. There's this story about a guy called William Seymour. I don't know whom if you know who he is. Now, he was part of a, a Move of God revival in, a, in America called Azusa Street Revival. Now, this revival was known um, in that time. It was very rare that you saw different races gathering together. And in this meeting, different races came together, and William Seymour actually laid this moment in this movement. And uh, something that he did, he felt the Lord ask him at the start to do, is he literally took a box, and he put it on his head. And as the meeting started, he stood there with a box over his head. But it was actually, you know, it's a, it was actually part of how the Lord instilled humil- humility in his heart. And the Lord moved wonderfully. I mean, there was miracles and, and not just that, just even another Azusa Street the revival was known for the worship that actually came from that group. Like there were times of just people worshiping for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And he he kept on doing that every day. And then I, I read a book, they call it The Stories of Azusa Street. They speak with people that was actually there. And and the people started saying, But what happened is there came a moment where it seems like the other preachers in the town started criticizing William Seymour. And what happened is he felt like, ah, you know? And then one morning, he didn't put the box on his head. He stood. And it's as if that whole place suddenly started drying out. And this whole move of God just started fiddling and drying out. Drying out, trying out, trying out, trying out. Drying out, drying out, drying out, drying out. And they say, these people that they ask and speak to, they ask, why do you think it stopped? And they would pinpoint to that moment that suddenly it wasn't low before the Lord anymore. But that William actually stood up. He stood up before God. Now, why I'm using this example, I think it's just such a beautiful picture often, you know. Like, I I do want to tell you, pride in front of the Lord. If if we have pride in our hearts, it's something the Bible says the Lord resists. But if we can come before Him low and just surrender our hearts to Him, He can do with us what He wants to do with us. And it's in that place that He pours out His Spirit. Andrew Murray, you all know the statue. He said, the river always flows to the lowest place. The river always flows to the lowest place. So, skulk, how do I be filled with the Spirit? I think number one is posture, low posture. Number two, Pray. Pray pray. My last scripture, Luke 11 verse 13. It was Jesus who said, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Can it be that we're actually not walking in this because we haven't asked? Because we haven't asked. And for a moment, if you can just close your eyes. I prayed it at the start. I prayed again, Holy Spirit, with you and every heart, would just come and stir up a desperation that we will see we need you. We need you. I need you. Scott need you, Jesus. But I know this body, Justin, Wellington, I am. we need you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we need you. 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 And it's not uh, this promise of, of the helper. is not just for, for five or six individuals. It's for all of us, God. And I pray, may this need for your spirit just be in every heart in this place, God. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Um, in my preparation, I told Pete something that I felt, and I, I, I want to I wanna throw it open. Well, actually, before I do that, maybe there's um, some of you here sitting here this morning, and you're like hearing me now speaking about Holy Spirit, but you're like, "Yo, all of this is just so new to me." I, I wanna, I wanna tell you before we even go to to that step that Jesus loves you, that He died for you, that He took your place. You and I, uh, Skulk, I didn't deserve to be saved. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm sinful. I did stuff in my life that I know I, I need to be punished for. But yet Jesus, in His goodness, <laughs> came. God, the Father, sent His Son. And He died in our place, in my place. He carried the, the wrath, the punishment that was actually for me. He took And this morning, that reality is there for each one of us. Complete forgiveness of our sins. And just before I move on onto the, the next thing, I just I felt like just to do that. With with every eye closed, and you're maybe sitting here this morning, and, and you're not sure what's going on and, or whatever. I, I just feel like, maybe you're like, oh, Skulk, I need to surrender. I need to surrender. I've never actually made a decision to follow Christ. And if you're here this morning, and that is you, with every eye closed, can I just ask you just to quickly put up your hand that I know if there's someone like this in this room. Is there anyone like that in this room?